I began this study last Sunday. It's very interesting. Now, don't settle back and, and turn on your computer and, and see what's happening in the world today. If you want to, you can pick up the or, or get the outline, and I really, really, really hope that everyone has an outline in some measure, either on your phone or we have some in the foyer. If you don't have one, you're welcome to go get it. We don't hand them out, and you know why. But you're welcome, if you don't have one, to go get your outline. I really and truly like for you to have an outline. Because I think it's very important in these day and hours to be able to study God's Word, to be able to read God's Word, to be able to retain that that you read, and let it be a real blessing to you. So we started this last week. And the title, again, I said this last Sunday, last Sunday, I would not come up with this title. I did not. Flesh presses, faith touches. And I take my text from Luke chapter 8, verses 41 through 48. Read with me, if you will. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him, to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood, she was hemorrhaging for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately the flow, her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. That word power there, I'll let, let me stop here. That word power there in the Greek is dunamis. And if you look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus is telling his disciples before he goes up into heaven, he said, and you shall receive, Tarion and Jerusalem, and you, you shall receive power. So the same power that came from Christ to heal this woman, Dunamis, is the same power that the early church received, and not only the early church, but the church of today received. Amen? But you shall receive power. He said, somebody touched me before I received power going out from me, verse 47. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, what a wonderful word. She was afraid because of all the obstacles. And we'll look at those briefly because we went over those last week. Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well or whole. Go in peace. Father, add your blessings to the reading of your word. Speak it to our hearts as well as our ears. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Read the introduction with me. Jesus is on his way to heal a 12-year-old girl 
when a woman who had been hemorrhaging for 12 long years touched his garment and was immediately healed. Before we look at the healing of this hemorrhaging woman, let's examine the contrast of the Gadarenes and the people of Capernaum. This eighth chapter of the book of St. Luke is very interesting to me. It is filled with powerful principles and truths and healings. Most of us know the story of Jesus going to Gadaray, praying for a man that was demon-possessed in tombs and crying out. He was delivered of demons, demons. And we know the story how that they 2,000 uh, swine ran violently into the water and drowned. And all of those things happened. Wonderful things happened. But verse 37 of that story says this. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear, and he got into the boat and returned. Now, it's amazing to me that this man had been night and day, year after year, crying out from the tombs, cutting himself. And the Bible says he was so bad and that people could not even pass that way. They were afraid to even pass that way. Here they come out, find him delivered and set free, sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And then they ask Jesus to leave. You say, wow, same thing happens today. It's amazing what Jesus does for people. Teen Challenge, which is a great program for young men, especially those that's on drugs and alcohol. They have, and I forget now how, what, how, how it is, Brother Dan, you would probably know, it's it's. It, they have about an 80% uh, rate of these young men being delivered and set free and free of drugs, especially drugs and alcohol. That, that, that's an amazing, and that's after five years. That's an amazing statistic to me. And I think the government's program is about Point something. You would think that they would accept that. They being people with money, people that say, hey, let's invest in this ministry, let's invest in this, these means of sin someone set free. But these people asked Jesus to leave. But then follow that right to verse 40. He gets in the boat, he leaves, he does what? Listen, if you don't want the light, You'll be in darkness. The light will leave. But he leaves to go across the, the, the uh, lake or, or body of water, Galilee, and notice verse 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. We need to be able to say, Father, we welcome you today. Don't allow your heart to be hard and calloused and 
not wanting to know him. Open yourself to the Lord. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If you will open up. And so much of this sermon is about these two verses. Those that reject the Lord and those that will simply open their heart and say, come in. Not only, this, not only the unbeliever, but the believer, we that are saved, we need to allow the Lord to lead us, guide us. We need to be open to his direction, to his leadership. It's important that we open up. What concerns me today is how people willfully reject the truth. And if you and I, you see, he will not violate your and my will. If you and I refuse, if the world refuse, if America refuses to allow him to work in their life, he will not violate that. It's time that the church opens up. This woman was amazing to me. It, this story is amazing to me. Notice Roman numeral number one. First of all, the obstacles that she had to go through. The press of the crowd. They were crushing him. They were jostling him. They were moving him back and forth. Have you ever been to Jerusalem and seen those narrow streets? They were walking or Capernaum or many of those uh, uh, cities had those narrow cobblestone uh, streets that here they were all crowded around Jesus and she had been suffering for 12 years very weak but she said if I can just touch the hem of his garment here's something she kept saying that she spoke to herself words are powerful and she did not allow the crowd she did not allow the press to keep her from getting to where Jesus was. She was physically weak and she was ceremonially unclean. She was not supposed, because of her condition, she was not supposed to touch anyone. Anyone she touched according to the Levitical law, they would be unclean. So she had a lot of hoops to jump through, so to speak. Second of all, I want you to notice the touch that taps and to the very power of God. Understand something. This faith that she expressed, as she reached out and touched Jesus Christ, it released that power that was in him, that dunamis that was in him, and it flowed through her. This woman had a pushy faith, a take no for an answer faith, a faith that does not quit. Do we find that much today in our society? That determination? The importance of bold, persistent faith. He gives us an example of that. I won't read it today, but it's an example that is so important that he teaches us, don't give up. Don't stop believing. No matter how you feel, believe God, trust God. And in these verses, he says, men always ought to pray and not give up. The devil will discourage you. He will come against you. But don't stop. We need to have some bold. We need to have some persistent faith in our approach to Jesus Christ. And the verse, it says, 
Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. The Amplified there says what? Ask and what? Keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. That's the reason. That so, if you say, I don't feel like it. I don't want to go to prayer. I don't want to pray. I don't want to do these things. I don't want to read my Bible. Don't stop asking. Don't stop seeking. And don't stop knocking. Many people had been touching Jesus Christ, but only one had touched Jesus with faith that released miracle power. This was a demonstration of the power of faith. It's, you say, well, Brother Don, how do I get faith? I could ask many of you, and you could tell me exactly how. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing, Romans, and hearing by what? The Word of God. That's how you listen to the preacher. Read in the Bible. Study in the Bible. Faith cometh by and through the word of God. A lot of people touch Jesus casually, but few people touch him intentionally. There must be, and we go back to what I read before uh, we got here. That 37th verse, that 40th verse, how these people here in Capernaum opened their heart. A great receptivity. God wants us to be receptive. He wants us to be open. The early church has the power of God to allow that power to flow through us. But that power won't flow unless we exercise faith. Faith is a conduit that allows that power to flow through us. It is important that we allow. The flowing power of God, I like this, requires receptivity. It requires faith. And it requires, certainly, prayer. There's a verse of scripture that says, and I'm going to read, uh, if you will, Tammy 6, 12 through 13, Luke. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out, Jesus, to the mountain to pray and continued there all night. And then we go to 17 and 19. And when he came down with his disciples, there was a crowd there. And they came from Tyre, Sidon, who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. Notice verse 19, very important. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them. So the power is available. So I don't feel nothing. I don't see anything happening. The power is available. It's here today. It's in your life. If you have Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God in you, then you have the power of God. It's according to how much you allow God to minister through you and how someone will receive when you reach out to them. It's important. It's very important. And, and listen, the church needs this today. Amen? We need the power of God. Oh, but Brother Don, we need more programs. We need more this and that and the other. No, we, the church, needs the power of God. 
And Luke and also Mark, it tells about Jesus was in a certain place. And the house was full and no one could get in through the door. And there was a man that had palsy and four men brought him to get into the house, but they could not. So they went up on the rooftop, tore off part of the roof and let this man down where Jesus was. But something interesting in that chapter, and especially one verse, it talked about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders had gathered in there to hear Jesus. And the Bible says, and the power of God was present. I'm glad it 3518 rolls of sharing, the power of God is present. Amen. Amen. It's here. So I said, I don't feel it. You don't have to feel it. I like feeling it sometimes. But the power of God operates through faith. And we as God's people ought to be able to operate with faith, understanding that God, you're going to use me. You're going to, we're going to see something happen. We're going to see people saved. We're going to see people healed. We're going to see people delivered. I believe people can be delivered today from demons just like they were during the time of Jesus. Brother Don, there's no demons today. Okay. There are plenty of them. I don't know if we got enough power to stir them up. Carol's daddy used to say, don't stir up more demons than you can cast out. I don't know if we have enough power to even stir them up or not. They may be too comfortable. I hope not. I hope we have the power in the church. And that power is manifested. That power is revealed as it should be. And it can be. So we have the ob obstacles that she overcame. Thank God. You got obst obstacles today? I don't feel like it. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go here. I don't want to do this. I don't want to raise my hand. I don't want to ask for prayer. I don't want to make that phone call. Listen, don't give in to feelings. Feelings are like a thermometer. They're up today and down tomorrow. You know, don't give in to feelings. Operate and function in the kingdom of God through faith. The power of faith. Now, I told you last week that I was going to bring to you five kinds of people you can't help. My wife and I have talked about this, this over the many years that we have, uh, have been in the ministry. There are times when we go to minister to someone, it just seems like there's just a blockage. There's no flow. It's because they're not open, maybe. And when that blockage comes, it leaves you Feeling a little down, empty, not satisfied. But when you go to lay your hands on people or when you go to pray for people and they receive you and they're open to you, something wonderful happens. It flows through and they're ministered to and they receive what they're praying for. Well, there's five people, different, five kind of people, types of people you cannot help. Number one, you can't help people who don't think they need help. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm, I'm fine just like I am. P 
People need to acknowledge that they need help. You cannot open people's eyes. You can only pray for them like Paul did in Ephesians 1.18. Understand that. If someone don't want help, you can't help them. Or they don't realize, I'm saying, don't realize that they need, you, you, they've got to recognize that they need help. Allow me if you will, stay with me if you will. I would encourage you to take a look in your Bible study this, this week as you study the Word of God. Take, this, take these notes and read Ephesians, the first chapter. I want you to notice what Paul says here in Ephesians 1, 15 through 19. Paul says to the church at Ephesus, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my what? Prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So when you come across someone and they say, oh, I, they don't have to say it. You know, they, I don't have any need. I don't need to be saved. I don't need to be delivered. I don't need to change my attitude. All these things. You pray for them that their eyes might be opened and enlightened that they might understand that they may know what the hope of his calling and what are the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints. 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Now, it would take you a long, it took me, and I still, I mean, you can glean from those verses and glean. It's an eye opener. And I pray that people's eyes would be open. I pray that their understanding might be open. And I pray, listen to me, I pray for a divine revelation to this culture and the people of this nation today. God grant it. May they want it. It's here. But they've got to want it. That's one of the main reasons the church can't touch people's lives is because you can preach a sermon. You can say, oh, the wonderful singing this morning. You can sing songs. The moving of the Spirit. But if we come, so to speak, with our arms folded, our minds closed, and we've made up in our mind, maybe not intentionally, we're going to leave like we came? No. I pray that our understanding, I pray that we'll want what God has. He that hungers, and thirst at the righteousness shall be filled. My wife is a good cook. She can fix some wonderful, wonderful meals. But if I approach that table with my nose turned up, my, 
you know, all kind of things. If I act like I don't want it, it hurts her feelings. She's worked hard. She's prepared a great meal. Can you imagine how this affects, listen to me, can you imagine how this affects the Lord? When he's prepared a great meal, a great feast, a great table, anything and everything that we need, and we come in with our nose turned up, we come in with an attitude, I don't want it. Paul prayed. He prayed for the church at Ephesus. You pray for those people. But understand, if you can't, you can't help people that don't think they need, need help. Number two, you can't help people who know they need help but don't want it. Boy, that's something, isn't it? Most of us know this story. There was a place called Bethesda. Bethesda. And there was a pool there. And some said that there were times when the water was moved and an angel came and stirred and the first one that got into that water was healed. I don't know. I think something supernatural was happening. I don't know. But I do know this. Jesus came on the scene at Bethesda Pool. At the Bethesda Pool. And there was a crippled man there. And he'd been there for years. Going, They'd bring him and sit him down. Bring him and sit him down. Jesus came up to this man. And here's something he said. Can you imagine the question? Please try to understand the question. Can you imagine Jesus walked up to this man that was all these sick people around this pool. And he was sick. And Jesus said, you want to be made whole? What? Listen to what the Amplified says. When Jesus noticed him lying there helpless, knowing that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you want to become well? And the Amplified goes on to say, are you really interested about getting well? I want to ask you something this morning as we sit here, as we come to church, and I'd like to ask the thousands and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands people, millions of people, are you serious about wanting to get well? Do you know you need help? You know you need help and you don't want it? Amen? And you can pray with people all day, all day long. If they don't want help, they're not going to get help. And I can hear the Lord say, you want to be made whole? The blind man, blind Bartimaeus. They brought him to Jesus and Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Have you got to be kidding? I think God Almighty, Jesus Christ, wants you and I to recognize our need and confess it to him. Amen? And I need some water right now. I have a real need. Amen. They always look after me. They really do. This is a rare time when they don't have me water. 
Listen to me. Don't, don't, don't lose this thought. You can't help people who don't think they need help. Number two, you can't help people who know they need help but don't want it. And number three, you can't help people who don't want it yet. Thank you so much. You can't help people who don't want it yet. I'm going to tell you a story. I've told it before, but it's an interesting story. I visited Duke Hospital years ago. Many years ago, 40 years ago. So on that, I was on television back then. I was on television for three and a half years. Uh, I was on radio. So a lot of people, and I had cut three albums, and a lot of people in Durham knew me. They, and they, oh, you know, they didn't go to church. They'd call the preacher. Well, let's call Don Westbrook. And they'd call me, and I'd, oh, would you go visit so-and-so and go visit so-and-so? And I would most of the time. I found out some of them want me to come, and I got to making sure they wanted me to come. But they asked me to go see this, this lady at Duke Hospital. I don't think anybody, even her, I don't think they thought she was terminally ill. Terminally Ill I don't know. But when I visited her, I felt very strong for her to accept Jesus Christ. Now, I usually, I usually invite people to accept Christ. I don't push people. But that day, I really pushed her to accept Christ. I'll never forget, and it's been many, many years ago. She said, preacher, I will. I'm going to do that. But I'm, I'm going to get out of the hospital, and I've got some things to do, and then I'll accept Christ. That woman never came out of that hospital alive. There are people that won't help, but not yet. Let me live my life. Let me sow my wild oaks. Let me enjoy here. Let me enjoy there. Let me do this, that, the other. Then I will. I'll wait till I get older. Religion, quote religion, this thing you're talking about is for old people. Let me tell you, not a one of us are promised of another day. It's important that you and I won't help now. Amen? Won't help now. Some people know they need to get help, but want to stay in their condition just a little bit longer. Number four, you can't help people who don't want it from you. I've been preaching a long time, and during the time I've been preaching, there was Oral Roberts, A.A. Allen, Jack Coe, and, and a lot of other preachers, major Preachers, some on television, some very well known. And over the years, uh, as a pastor, if you're not careful, uh, there'll be people that have needs. With, they're just waiting to go see Oral. I don't, dis, I don't mean to disrespect him. He was a great man of God. They're just waiting to go get in Billy Graham's meeting. They just, they want it, but not from you. And for some of you, they'll say, well, I want the preacher to pray for me. Let me tell you, anyone that has the Spirit of God can pray and see deliverance come. Can you say amen? They want it, but not from you. Some people's familiarity with you. It's an important statement. Don't lose it. Look at it. 
Don't allow them to see what you've been telling them all along until they hear it from someone else. Boy, have I done that over the years. I've talked, I've preached and talked and preached and talked. And so I just sit there and look like, I don't know what he's talking about. Whatever, not, maybe not listening, not whatever. And then we're around, have a group of people, and somebody else will sit and they say, Oh boy, you know, wait a minute, I just said that a few weeks ago. People want it, but not from you. And then number five, look at it. You can't help people who aren't willing to do what it takes to get help. Huh? Peter came to Jesus. And he had, a, he, had a, he had a bill. He had to pay his taxes. He needed to pay taxes. And Peter said to Jesus, what are we going to do? Jesus said, use your talent. What was his talent? Fishing. Fishing. So he goes down to the water, throws in his net or line or whatever, and he caught a fish. And he looks in that fish's mouth and there's a coin. There's money. You see, a lot of people won't help, but they want you to do the fishing. They want you to pay the price. The old man that laid on the couch every night while his wife prayed, he laid on that couch and she'd pray. I just poured her heart out to the Lord. Energy was going. And every once in a while he'd say, Granted, Lord, he doze off. She's still praying. Granted, Lord. One night she said, listen, you get out here and pray. Let me lay on that crouch. I'll grant it. <laughs> they, want, they want the granted. They want you to spend your time. As they come to play some music and sing, You've heard me talk about Carol's, Carol's daddy periodically and at times. I never, I've never seen anyone like him. He was a powerful, powerful man of God. He pastored two churches, one here in Durham and one down towards uh, in, the, in the middle part of the east, a place called Midway. He preaches hard out. I saw him and we heard him, Carol and I did, make, uh, give prophecies and say things that was going to happen over the years and we'd both look at each other. We believed him. I mean, you know, it was, but it was hard. There were things that he prophesied that we thought never would come to pass. But it did. About everything he's ever pro- he ever prophesied came to pass. But I've never seen anyone that the power of God moved in his life. In their life like it did his. Oh, there have been a lot of men, and I'm not trying to put him above anyone else. I'm just saying he was a great man of God. Back then, we didn't have air conditioning. We had windows that you put up. And uh, it was hot. But he didn't let that stop him. He'd preach a fiery sermon, and then he'd pray. He'd pray for about everyone in the building. 
Listen to this. I've seen him pray and pray and pray for people. Some wanted it, many wanted it, some did not. We've watched that over the years. He prayed, true story, until water would drip from his tie to the floor. He would pray until he'd walk and the water in his shoes would slush. That's how much he sweated. That's how much energy he spent. That's how much time he spent and cared for people. My wife and I have seen him pray and then he'd get and lay on the pew and get his strength back. What a man of God. I've told this story too. When he walked, his, his shoes turned up. The tip of his shoes turned up. They, they stayed up. They didn't, not all of his shoes, but certain pairs of his shoes, the toes would turn up. You know why? Because he had a place in the woods where he'd go pray. He'd go pray. And he'd pray for hours and hours and hours. He was a mechanic and he got saved and God had called him to preach. And there was a black gentleman in Hillsborough that talked to him one day and said, Mr. Holder, what you need is to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he prayed, he prayed until God baptized him with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues and just, I mean. He knew what it was to care for people. There were times he'd take up an offering and he, would get, he wouldn't get a dollar. He was willing to sacrifice. But this man knew the worth of prayer. He'd, he, his shoes stayed turned up. You notice mine's not turned up on the end. I say that regrettably. Same thing that Jesus did when the power of God was in him. He stayed all night in prayer. We want the power of God. We want the flow of the Spirit of God. We want the faith that is active. But are we willing to stay before the Lord long enough to see that happen? So son, someone comes in your presence, they can sense the presence of the Lord. Is the Holy Spirit in your life like that? I want you to keep this, if you will. Five people you cannot help. Understand that. That's not to say we don't care for people. That's not to say we want to help everyone we possibly can. That's not to say that we're not going to pray for them to be open to the Spirit of God. But let's, let's have some discernment. Let's know who to pray for and who not to pray for. And Brother Morris, if they're not going to receive you, what does the Bible say do? If you go into a village, into a city, and they don't receive you. What does the Bible say do? 
get out and moan over it and be burdened over it. No. Shake the dust off your feet and go on. I said last Sunday, the reason that he wants you to do that is because he does not want you to carry the dust from one village to the next village. Don't carry that burden. Don't carry all that stuff. That's the problem with so many today. They'll leave one marriage and go into another marriage and carry the same stuff. Shake it off. Shake it off. Have discernment of spirit so when you pray for someone and it, it doesn't flow, pray for them to be open. Pray for them to be open.